Good Friday is always a different sort of service. It's um, always a tinge of sadness as we remember the pain and the sufferings that our Lord Jesus Christ went through. Um, but we, as Christians, we, we know the outcome of it all. And so we're looking forward to Easter Sunday. And so we're not too sad. Um, but it's a day for remembering. And um, first of all, I'm just going to ask you to just excuse me today. I, I've um, yesterday started getting a bit of a croaky throat and, and stuff. And I was a bit worried I wasn't going to have any voice today for a bit. But, um, but I've got some. And um, the message today is going to be, we're just going to be mainly remembering what went down for Jesus when he was crucified. Um, and we're going to do that by reading the scripture. So we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke. Um, we're only near the start of it, so we've skipped ahead um, a fair way. Um, so we're going to be reading from Luke today, and we're going to pick up the reading um, towards the end of the Last Supper. So we're going to be reading Luke chapter 22, verses 31, to chapter 23, verse 56. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or, or sandals, did you lack anything? And I said, nothing. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, we've got two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from his prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him 
saw what would follow. They said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and, and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But, but Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he's still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy who, who it is that struck you? And, and they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came and the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together both chief priests and scribes and they led him away to their council and they said if you're the Christ tell us but he said to them if I tell you you will not believe and if I ask you you will not answer but from now on the son of man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God so they all said are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, who is a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, 
He was very glad. For he had long desired to see him because he'd heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this, they'd been at enmity with one another. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. The third time he said to them, why? What evil has this man done? I've found in him no guilt, deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him. So he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
there's also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out in a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now, there's a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone when no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Every time I read the the whole story of the crucifixion. Now, usually when we just think of the crucifixion, we think of the pain and the suffering. But when I read the whole of it in one hit, it's like, it just comes through to me the, the humiliation, the mocking and the taunts and the blasphemy that's hurled at Jesus. Crucifixion, though, it's a most horrible death. And even though Governor Pilate recognised that Jesus hadn't done anything that deserved this death, or any other punishment for that matter, to keep the crowds at bay, he still had Jesus flogged and crucified. He did, however, release Barabbas. They were wanting Barabbas to be released. Now, the reason that we're told why Barabbas was in prison was for insurrection and murder. And I don't know about you, but when I was in Sunday school, we'd always be told, you know, about how, how this was a horrible, horrible man and why would they ever choose him? Well, I'll tell you why they chose him. Because insurrection and murder, that was from Pilate's perspective. 
From the Jewish perspective, insurrection was a good thing. To them, this Barabbas bloke was their freedom fighter because insurrection is standing up against the Romans and that's exactly what they wanted Jesus to do when he came in on Palm Sunday. And so they got what they wanted. And for them, it wasn't about him being a murderer because it would have happened when it was part of this uprising and so he would have killed one of their enemy and that's what they wanted. So that's why they would have wanted Barabbas. However, from the Bible's perspective, which is God's perspective, Barabbas was in jail for rebelling against the authorities, which we know is a sin. That's what's called insurrection, and he's in jail for murder. So essentially, the criminal gets released, and the world's most innocent man who has ever lived is crucified between two criminals. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what either of these two criminals did. I think in one of the other Gospels, they might be called robbers. Um, But the Greek word that's used here for criminal simply means evildoer, one who does evil, right? So these two doers of evil who are crucified on each side of Jesus, they they demonstrate very different responses to Jesus. And the way that these two doers of evil respond to Jesus is typical to the polarised responses we get to Jesus today. One hurled insults at him, blasphemed him, railed against him, scoffed at him. The only interest that he had in Jesus was really self-interest. If you're the son of God, get us out of here. But the other one rebuked that criminal for that. He says, do you not fear God? You're under the same death sentence. We both are, only we deserve it. Jesus doesn't. He didn't do anything wrong. Now, it is perplexing to me that that even though he's nailed to a cross and even though he's only got hours left to live, one of those criminals thinks the best use of his time is to hurl insults at Jesus, even though the other one recognises that Jesus is the only source of eternal hope. And even for us today, the most ardent atheist will lay on his deathbed and proudly scoff at Jesus and reject Jesus, even though he's only hours from death. Such prideful arrogance. But when I read about what happened on the cross with these two criminals, I think about what a wonderful encouragement this is. It is not too late to turn to Jesus. The repentant criminal confessed his sin. He said, we deserve this punishment. And he turned his heart toward Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, today you'll be in paradise with me. Now, This sort of salvation is only possible because of what Jesus did on that first Good Friday. It's only possible because Jesus died on the cross for us. And so the death of Jesus brings us an immense hope. As Christians, we also will be in paradise with him. Do not say to yourself, 
it's too late for me now. Don't look at your life and go, oh, I've made such a has of it. I'm such a sinful person. God could never forgive me for what I've done. Never, ever come to that position. Because if it wasn't too late for that criminal, that doer of evil on the cross, it's not too late for you or me. But the time is now. And the time will come when it is too late. Am I a scoffer or am I a believer? That's what I want you to ask yourself today. Am I a scoffer or am I a believer? Yeah, some folk live as if the repentant doer of evil on the cross, he did it perfectly. He timed it perfectly. That's the way some people live, right? You know what I mean by that? Some folk go, well, he lived his life his way and turned to God right at the last possible moment. Now, that might seem a really strange thing to to say, but that's exactly how many people live. There are many people who know that there is a God. They've been brought up, they've been taught it, and they know, they know in their hearts there is a God. And they intend to pay God a little bit more attention a little bit, at a little bit later stage of their life. But right now, that's just not a good time right now. I'm too busy having a good time. Or I'm too busy, as soon as I finish my studies, I might give a bit more thought to Jesus. Or maybe when I get married and settle down and have a family, that's when we'll think about getting more serious with Jesus. Or, or maybe when I've paid off my debts, that, that might be a time when I get a bit more serious with Jesus or, or whatever. But you know what, I'm pretty sure that all of us, deep down in our hearts, know jolly well that the greatest regret of that man on the cross beside Jesus is that he left it so long before he turned to God. Now, he died well. But it's not only about how we die that is a testimony to the one that we believe in. The greater impact is how we live. Jesus did not go through the agony of the cross for us to to live our lives for ourselves and leave it until the last hopefully possible moment to give him a bit higher priority. Faith. Men and women of faith venture their whole lives on this one unmistakable and unassailable truth. Jesus is Lord, therefore he's my Lord. And Jesus died that that we might live. He gave his life. And therefore, he has mine. Do you get that? Men and women of faith venture their whole lives on this, that Jesus Christ is Lord, therefore he's my Lord. That means he's master. That means he's boss, if you like. We yield to him every part of our lives. And because he died that we might live. We give him our lives. And may this be the testimony of every person here today. Is it? Are you living for Jesus? 
Or have you been holding back, living for yourself, got other priorities at the moment, and Jesus, you'll get more attention later? Which is it? Now, during Smoko, I don't want us today to just talk about the weather. I don't want us to just talk about our planned Easter activities or our families. Feel free to talk about those things as well. But my hope is that, and my prayer is that somewhere in your conversation, you might want to put it early in your conversation, otherwise you'll forget it. I'm asking you to share with each other because Jesus died for me, this is how I live. This is a difference the death of Jesus makes to my life. This is how it is different because of Good Friday. And if you find that that's something difficult to articulate, it might be important for you to pray with each other a prayer of commitment. Jesus, I've been holding back, but I realise the time is now. And so now, from now, I live for you. Can we do that? I'm getting a lot of blank stares. Can we do that? It is Good Friday. Surely we could do this for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, on this Good Friday, let us share openly and honestly with each other on issues of faith and life with you and for you.